This episode of Hyper Channel is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 100,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, this is Michael Dorn, Lieutenant Commander Worf from Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, and you're listening to Trek FM. Hailing frequencies open, you've tapped into Trek FM's Hyper Channel. I'm Luke Weir. Let's go ahead and get into the latest Star Trek news. Multiple Star Trek Blu-ray sets have won awards from the Home Media Magazine Awards this year. The Star Trek 50th Anniversary TV and Movie Collection won both Title of the Year and Best Franchise Collection. This set featured every original episode of the original series and the animated series, as well as all six Star Trek films featuring the original series cast. It also came with over 20 hours of bonus content, including an exclusive 50th Anniversary documentary, as well as collectibles like mini-posters and a 50th Anniversary Starfleet insignia pin. Other Star Trek winners included Star Trek II, the director's cut, which won Best Restoration, and the Roddenberry Vault, which won Best Extras and Bonus Material. Up next, we have an update on Star Trek Online. The first episode of Season 13, Escalation, has been released. The Zenkethi are devastating planets in the Alpha Quadrant, seemingly at random. Captains will work with the Lucari as they explore a mysterious nebula and discover the secrets within. This expansion also includes new war game systems, Core Assault and Binary Circuit, which offers players a new type of competitive PvE gameplay. And there is also a new ground armor set, class-specific gear in space, and Season 13 comes with a space rebalance that will normalize outliers on the top and bottom of the power curve. You can read up on all of the new stuff in this expansion in the press release. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. If you're looking for new or used 2017 DVD box sets for Deep Space Nine or Voyager, you'll want to be very careful in examining pictures of any sets you might buy on eBay. Bootleg versions of these sets are appearing on the site and tend to look pretty official, so TrekCore has identified the differences between the fake and real sets. Real DS9 and Voyager DVD sets are comprised of two very thick DVD cases that each hold three seasons and a third thinner DVD case that holds the last season. The fake have very similar slipcases, but discs are divided up into five different DVD cases. You can check out pictures of the real and fake sets in the article that I'll link to down in the show notes. You may have been hearing for the past few weeks about a potential writer's strike that could have a drastic effect on a lot of TV shows, including Star Trek Discovery. Most screenwriters who work professionally are members of the Writers Guild of America, which gives them collective bargaining power when the terms of their contracts are negotiated with studios and production companies. The strike was proposed by the WGA for multiple reasons. Television writing contracts have been structured around the old TV model, where a broadcast network orders uh, between 20 and 24 episodes per season, and writers are compensated based on the number of episodes they write and how many times those episodes are aired in syndication. However, as you probably know, the TV landscape is changing, and now seasons are getting shorter, many being as short as 13, 10, or even 8 episodes. And with the rise of streaming, syndication is becoming much less common, so writers can't rely on that extra income anymore. 
Another major issue is that writers are often restricted from taking any other jobs while they're under contract for a TV show. Before, this wasn't a problem since the per-episode pay model would fairly compensate them for the rest of the year. But shorter and shorter seasons mean writers are being paid less and have to spend a large portion of their year forcibly unemployed. So those, along with some health insurance issues, were the driving factors for the WGA to call for this strike. Since studios and production companies were initially unwilling to resolve these issues, the WGA had its members vote on whether or not to authorize a strike. Over 96% of members agreed that the strike was warranted, so the WGA used that as a bargaining tool in their ongoing negotiations. Some Star Trek writers expressed their support for a strike, including Bo Yun Kin, Sean Cochran, and Ted Sullivan. The Twitter account Stella the Star Trek Dog, which is believed to be run by Nicholas Meyer, tweeted, quote, Don't forget, if the holodeck doesn't have someone to write the scenes, then the whole holodeck effort is pretty useless, end quote. Thankfully, though, the writer's strike never materialized. The guild and studios were able to come to an agreement just after writers' contracts officially ended. They made gains all across the board. If you want to read about these specifics, you can check out the Deadline article that I'll be linking to in the show notes. And at least now you can rest easy knowing that Discovery will not be delayed due to a writer's strike. Writer's strikes have affected Star Trek before. You can thank the 1988 writer's strike for the Next Generation episode Shades of Grey, which has the unfortunate distinction of being the only clip show episode in all of Star Trek. The strike also affected the production of Star Trek V. Some blame that strike for the film's less-than-stellar reviews. Also, the writer's strike in 2007 and 2008 affected the first Kelvin timeline Star Trek film. Although the script was completed before the strike, contracts stipulated that J.J. Abrams and his production team were not allowed to make any last-minute changes to the script while the writers were striking. Let's get into some more Star Trek Discovery news. Discovery is continuing to fill out its cast, and all of the following actors are set to appear in all 13 episodes of the first season, according to their IMDb profiles. Rekha Sharma will be playing Commander Landry, the Discovery security officer. You've seen her on a variety of shows, including The 100, V, Battlestar Galactica, Smallville, and more. Interestingly, she has also appeared in a fan series, Star Trek Continues. Damon Runyon will be portraying the Klingon Ujili. He's appeared on Gangland Undercover, Haven, and Degrassi The Next Generation. Claire McConnell is also portraying a Klingon. Her character will be named Denas. Uh, that's how I think it's pronounced. It's not Dennis. It's spelled D-A-N-N-A-S. Her IMDb page is fairly sparse as of yet. She's acted in Dim the Fluorescence and also a short film called This Is What It Sounds Like Falling Out of Love With You. You can check out an interview with Claire McConnell in the show notes uh, where she shares some details about how she's been preparing for her Star Trek Discovery role. And lastly, there's been a casting change. Kenneth Mitchell will now be portraying the Klingon commanding officer Cole. He's a fairly prolific TV actor. You've seen him on shows like Frequency, The Astronaut Wives Club, Switched at Birth, Ghost Whisperer, Jericho, and a lot more. He's guest starred on a lot of shows. And he is replacing Shazad Latif, who was previously cast as Cole, but will now have a starring role as Starfleet Officer Lieutenant Tyler. If that recasting concerns you, I'd encourage you to not stress out about it. There's another pretty famous example of recasting in Star Trek. Denise Crosby and Marina Sirtis were initially set to play each other's characters before their roles were switched early in production of The Next Generation. 
And speaking of those two, during a panel at uh, Silicon Valley Comic Con, the cast of The Next Generation were asked if they'd be interested in appearing on Discovery. Uh, Marina Sirtis said that she would reprise her role as Deanna Troy, but joked that, quote, I would have to go to the fat farm and lose about 15 pounds, so I would do it if they paid me a lot of money, end quote. She also said that she wouldn't have a preference about how her character would be used. She'd just want to be pointed in the right direction. Denise Crosby said that she'd be willing as well, saying, quote, Would I be Tasha? Would I be Sela? Or something in between? But of course, yeah, it would be great fun to do. I just want to see if I could fit back in that spacesuit again, end quote. Before we wrap things up, we have a few updates regarding the production of Discovery. First, CBS CEO Leslie Moonves said on a conference call that, quote, we already have a couple of episodes in the can that we've seen, so we are very excited, end quote. He also shared some of CBS's expectations regarding CBS All Access. Moonves shared that the current demographics for All Access skew about 20 years younger than CBS's broadcasting viewers. He also said on the call that the current subscriber number is in the neighborhood of 1.5 million and they hope to have up to 8 million subscribers by 2020. Moonves also shared on an entertainment industry panel that they plan on Discovery premiering in the beginning of fall. It's likely that CBS is more confident now about narrowing down that release window since the writer strike has been averted. And in a response to a question from the audience, Moonves shared some insight into their decision regarding streaming platforms. He said, quote, Hulu is a phenomenal thing, and it's a great organization. We felt it was odd taking our content, which is the family jewels, and putting it in an organization with our competitors. So we decided to go our own way, and it was a different way to go. Hulu is wildly successful, but CBS All Access, we love what we are doing there, end quote. He later elaborated by saying, quote, Star Trek could have been sold anywhere. There was a bidding war within CBS because it is obviously a very valuable property. We put the other Star Trek series on Netflix. Netflix, and they did very well. They don't share information, but we knew Star Trek did extremely well. They have a very loyal audience, end quote. And in response to a question about how international sales play into decisions for CBS All Access, Moonves said, quote, You know that a Star Trek will travel. You know a Good Wife spinoff might not do nearly as well. It's a much more of an American show. There is much more talking involved as opposed to action-adventure. So international sales does affect your decision, but not exclusively, end quote. On to our recommendations for this episode. There's an article I stumbled across from Wired that was actually published last year, but it's really interesting. You should check it out if you haven't yet. The article explores an alternate universe where the original Star Trek series failed and how that would impact science fiction and culture today. It's called What If Star Trek Had Never Existed by Charlie Jan Anders, and I'll link to that in the show notes. Also, Chris Pine hosted a recent episode of Saturday Night Live. He was given multiple opportunities to show off his musical abilities and was also featured in a Star Trek skit where he emulated the mannerisms of William Shatner's Kirk. The Chris Pine episode of SNL is available to stream now. And lastly, two great shows on the Trek FM network have returned. Christopher Jones is back with guest Larry Nemechek on The Ready Room, our network's flagship show. And also Chris and Matthew Rushing are back with the new episodes of The Orb, Trek FM's Deep Space Nine podcast. So be sure to get reconnected with those shows. I think you'll really like what you hear. 
That's it for today's episode of Hyper Channel. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave a star rating and written review. If you're not an Apple user, you can find Trek FM shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and more, and get the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We'd love for you to join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on on Facebook, just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up. You can email us through our website at trek.fm slash contact. You can also find the network on Twitter at trek.fm and on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. You can keep up with me on Twitter at craptasticluke, and you can also add me on Facebook. Just search for Luke Weir. If you'd like to help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash trekfm to get all of the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more available through the Patron Zone. We'd really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you can find out all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. Don't forget, you can check out all of the articles I sourced for today's episode in the show notes. I'm Luke Weir. We'll be back soon with another episode of Hyper Channel. Hyper Channel.